Um, hello, Professor Liebman. Thank you for joining me on the Intangible Podcast today. It's great to have you on. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation, Nicholas. Thank you. Thank you. So a first question that I ask all my guests is, what inspired you to enter the archaeological field? Oh, well, a lot of serendipity. Um, I was in college and didn't know what I wanted to do uh, and randomly got assigned an advisor who did archaeology um, and sent me on my first excavation, which was uh, at Ashkelon in Israel. And that kind of started me um, down the path. You know, I always say, I think there are, there are at least two kinds of archaeologists. There are those who grow up um, you know, drawing pictures of themselves with crayons that say, I want to be an archaeologist um, and dig up their backyards and things like that. Uh, you may be of that of that ilk. Um, I was not. I came to it late. I did watch Indiana Jones and enjoyed it very much as a child, but uh, didn't really start to envision myself with a career in archaeology until after I graduated from college. Um, but my first dig was as a junior uh, in, in college. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I actually... Did have someone a few episodes ago tell me that um the Indiana Jones is their main inspiration. Uh huh. Yeah. So I actually haven't seen the movies, but which is oh geez, what do you should stop this right now and go watch? Well, yeah. you need to watch one and three, um and maybe two, but the other <laughs> ones are skippable. So yeah, I'll, I'll certainly do that. I'll certainly do that. <laughs> um, yeah. So moving on to a little more of your current work, like what does your current work entail? I know you work at uh, at Harvard, but also you do some work with. Uh, Pueblo of Jemez, am I correct? Right, yeah. So um, I work in the Southwest U.S., um, uh, largely concerned with uh, issues of Native, Native American negotiations of Spanish colonialism, so early um, indigenous European contacts. Um, but I, my, my current work actually extends all the way back to, uh, into the 1100s, so um, uh, a couple centuries before um, first contacts. And um, I practice what lots of people call collaborative archaeology. So I have a long-term working relationship um, and collaboration with the Pueblo of Jemez um, and try to tailor my research to their um, needs and uh, requests and agendas, uh, which uh, extends all the way from... Uh, so we have a, a long-term uh, uh, collaboration that um, starts from the um, working together on the appropriate research questions that we're going to address uh, extends to methodology. What are the appropriate methodologies um, to use um, and then interpretation uh, and dissemination of the re results, how the tribe um, uh, envisages the, um, the information um, being circulated among uh, wider publics. So um, I, I continue to have that relationship. Uh, uh, my primary research collaborator is Chris Toya, who's the tribal archaeologist at Hamas. Um, and, uh, but I also work with a larger research team that includes scholars from um, uh, Southern Methodist University and University of Arizona. Oh, very, very nice. And just throughout your experience in archaeology, what has been your, maybe your favorite or your most meaningful project? And it could be this, what you're doing right now. Um, yeah, I mean, most meaningful, uh, is, is a project that I have, was involved in, um, that, uh, the tribe requested that was in relation to their attempts to, um, reclaim, uh, lands 
that uh, had eventually become a part of the national park system. Um, and so um, they asked me to conduct research that was related directly to that legal claim. So there was a, a kind of a real world um, application. Um, and then that research was used uh, in the, the trial um, uh, about, uh, about that, that land. Um, so that's probably the most um, meaningful. It had the largest kind of real world um, uh, implications, I would say. So yeah, very meaningful. It shows what archaeology can do, right? Yeah. 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 We, we um, yeah. Uh, so shifting gears a little bit, I know you're the author of Revolt and Archaeological History of Pueblo Resistance and Revitalization in the 17th Century in New Mexico. So um, as obviously an author, right, and especially related to archaeology, what is the writing and publishing process like? <laughs> agonizing, long agonizing um painful um i mean it's a great question because i actually think uh archaeologists uh as a whole myself included have not devoted enough attention to the writing process and the writing product mm -hmm. uh and what i mean is that uh we have an endlessly fascinating discipline um, and we are uncovering the raw material to tell fantastic stories. Mm -hmm. But we have a habit in, particularly in academic archaeology, of just absolutely sucking the life out of uh, the stories that we're trying to tell, right? We have a we have an ability to make really interesting things seem really dry and dull and boring. Um, and uh, I really think it's to the detriment of our discipline as a whole. Uh, and I wish we'd spend um, more time attending to the way our work could be received by larger audiences, right? So as archaeologists, we often tend to write for each other. Um, and I think um, um, as archaeologists, we, we tend um, uh, not to pay enough attention to the way our work could be received by um, the larger public, I think, um, and and really to a to the detriment of our our discipline. Um, you know, it's it's uh, the writing process is um, it depends on the project. Sometimes it's very solitary. It's me sitting at my computer with uh, all the records and uh, excavation notes and um, uh, uh, reports and things like that. Um, but also many of us work as parts of larger research teams. Um, and um, that's actually a lot more fun process when you're bouncing things uh, back and forth between the team and um, everybody's adding their bit and um, discussing uh, how the results should be um, uh, written up. Um, so um, yeah, it's a really vital part of the, the, the process. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I think, I think there, I think we haven't yet reached our full potential, uh, in terms of how we can most effectively disseminate, uh, the, the fascinating reality of archaeology to, uh, the larger public. And in a way, can't that writing process also be like, uh, a form of preservation, right? And just keeping in, keeping it 
alive, right? Keeping that culture and your work alive, right? Certainly. Uh, I mean, as any archaeologist will tell you, we are the only discipline that um, destroys its informants as we carry out our work, right? And so if we don't, it's really an ethical mandate to to publish uh, the results of our work as a record uh, for future generations, because you can't dig a site twice. Once you dig it, um, it's it's gone. And so it's your um, uh, ethical obligation to ensure that that record uh, is preserved in perpetuity as much as uh, any of us are able to, to do that. So um, yeah, definitely that's one of the most important aspects of, of uh, recording. That's, that's what separates, I would say, archeologists from looters uh, or treasure hunters, right? Is the fact that we're recording those contexts um, for future generations. Mm -hmm. And and on the topic of preservation, right? You you have obviously done a lot of field work, and how important it's almost a two part question. How important is field um, preservation in the field for you? And also, what challenges do you find when trying to preserve this culture in the field? You can answer now, the first if you'd like. <laughs> uh, the the context I work in is a little different than lots of other archaeologists in that um, for the most part the tribe um, uh, generally, um, doesn't want to excavate, um, sites. We do limited excavations when necessary, uh, for preservation, when a, a site is endangered, um, say by, um, construction, um, or, or something along those lines. But many of the sites I work on are on national forest land, um, which is effectively helping to, uh, uh, preserve them. But, um, uh, following the wishes of the tribe, we often leave as much intact as possible. So I've done a lot with surface archeology span and with non-invasive techniques like ground penetrating radar, um, a, a little bit of magnetometry, things like that, in order to preserve the record um, that's there. And even to the extent, um, in my book, I talk about doing um, studies of the ceramics at the site. And, and after studying them in my lab, I returned the ceramics to the site so that anybody who wants to check that work um, can go back uh, and, and see if they think I got it right uh, in, in the future. Um, and that's really driven by um, the perspectives of the folks at Jemez Pueblo that tell me that in, 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 their, um, in their opinion, in their culture, that's the appropriate way to treat the sites of their ancestors is to leave them as intact as possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. and. I guess more of a, a general question for you, like how important do you find cultural preservation to be? I know you said that you obviously do a lot of work, um, to, like what you just said, right? Returning the artifacts that you use for your book, but how important is it to you for archaeologists to preserve culture? I mean, it's it's in our in the ethical statements that uh, we all abide by and should be at the top of the list. And I think for most archaeologists, it ranks um, pretty high up there. I mean, we live in a time of unprecedented destruction of the archaeological record. If, if we really look at this from an archaeological perspective, over the span of millennia, mm -hmm. the damage that has been done to archaeological sites in the last 100 to 150 years is unprecedented in human history as a result of industrial development 
um, around the, the world. Um, and so uh, in many places, it's a race against the clock or against the bulldozers um, uh, to uh, record uh, as much of that past as possible. Um, and uh, there are some great nonprofit organizations uh, doing work out there to preserve the archaeological conservancy is the, the big one that comes to mind uh, in the US, um, Archaeology Southwest as well. Um, uh, and then things like um, UNESCO and other uh, international organizations that are working to preserve those sites. Um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, many of the native communities that I've worked with um, talk about, um, think in terms of um, multiple generations in the future, right? So I used to work um, with Lakota people up on the plains and there was a lot of talk about seventh generation doing things uh, with uh, a mindset of how is this going to impact people seven generations after me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think that that is an appropriate way to look at cultural heritage um, that, uh, you know, uh, I'm grateful for the sites that have been preserved that have allowed me to um, uh, derive information from them um, you know, and and help me in my career. Um, but also, I really want to ensure that your generation and subsequent generations after also have the same opportunities. Yeah, yeah. and in a way, it's also important. I think, as you were just touching on, like for the for the community that this culture is in, to understand that it's theirs, right, and and how that affects their history and who they are today, right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that um, that in, in many ways, uh, the Pueblo um, doesn't need my help doing that. They know their history. Um, they're the ones who direct me to the sites, not um, the other way around. But um, anytime I can provide any additional information that they find useful, that's what I really think is the, um, the, the main reason justification for me um doing the work that i do and often that comes uh in terms of the kind of bread and butter of archaeology like being able to assign um uh dates and uh relative chronologies um and and say well i'm i'm pretty sure this site was occupied first and then people left and went over to this site and um that went, especially when i can say they first settled this site in 1175 and they left there in 1550 to move over to this site. That's what I think the tribe finds um, particularly uh, useful at times, because that's a, a, a resolution of information that usually isn't um, uh, preserved in their um, oral traditions about these sites. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, what you said is amazing and your expertise is obviously very helpful. And I'll um, link your uh, book as well as just information about you in the description for anyone who wants to find out about your work. And I, honestly, I'm excited to read your book. I might have to order it after you said that <laughs> it's uh, it's not just for the archaeologists. So I, I might have to or, uh, order it and see what it's about. Cause Fantastic. It uh, all the proceeds um, go to the tribe. I don't get proceeds out of it. So um, okay. if anybody's motivated uh, to purchase it, uh, Please do, and and uh, the 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 what is normally author's proceeds go to um, cultural preservation uh, at Hamas Pueblo.
That's so. great. That's great. Yeah, certainly. Thank well, you. Thank you so much.